We may be all about dogs here at The Long Leash, but this next story actually begins with a cat, but a very special orange cat. Hi, I'm James Jacobson. Welcome to The Long Leash. Now, I think it's fair to say that us dog lovers are generally decent folk, none more so than pet rescuers. Without these everyday heroes, many animals might not have made it to their forever homes. And Chris Roy is one of those heroes. He's the founder of Dubert, which is an online software program custom built for animal rescuers. Think of it like a dating app mixed with a crowdsourced transportation app. Perhaps Match.com meets Uber, where rescues and shelters connect with each other and volunteer Ubers safely transport the animal wherever they need to go. The online platform has become a household name in the world of pet rescue, and it all started with a 17-year-old, 15-pound feline called Duber. Chris Roy, thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me, James. Your journey started with a cat, and we don't talk a lot about cats here on Dog Podcast Network, but it's a cat named Dubert that basically uh, must have had a big impact in your life. Yes, he did. Dubert was a, a cat of mine. He was the second cat that I had um, and had him for 17 years. And as I like to tell people, Dubert was an old soul. He was one of those cats that just loved you um, no matter what. He wasn't wasn't the most intelligent cat that I've ever had, um, but he was an old soul. He was He really just wanted to be loved and you know, he would come and lay on your chest and you'd, you'd have the best sleep of your life. He would just warm you up. And he um, he was one of those cats that anywhere in the house, if he'd hear you, he would just, you know, cry for you, right? And you would just start saying, do, Bert, and he would echo back. He'd meow and he'd say, do, Bert, and he'd meow. And he'd literally kind of sound source his way to find where you were. Um, and we had him for, like I said, 17 years. And um, when we had to let him go, it was a it was a sad day, but now his you know now his legacy lives on. And what is that legacy, and how did Dubert inspire you to create Dubert? Yeah, exactly right. There's always a story behind these things. So um, the the story of Dubert, I mean Dubert, as you know, was a cat, and Dubert, the software platform today, now is focused on animal rescue. And, you know, my story and kind of how all this came about was I'm, you know, got into animal rescue back in about 2008. And myself as a pilot, I was asked to fly down to Kentucky. I live in Milwaukee and they said, hey, can you fly down and pick up these dogs? I'm like, sure. Right. Excuse to go flying and I get to play with dogs. Like, what's not to love? And I, we have interviewed other pilots who, who basically run these very small airlines for, for rescue dogs. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a thing. And I didn't, at the time, I didn't realize, you know, that my name would get shared and more and more people would be calling me and asking me to, you know, become their airline, right? So I started getting requests from different groups, both locally and then kind of further and further. And, you know, soon you have people in California saying, hey, can you fly out here? I'm like, no, people, this doesn't, you know, not the size of planes I'm flying. So I said, there's got to be a way that I can just put in, you know, where I am, how far I'm willing to fly, what days I'm available. I still work a full-time day job. Um, and, you know, there's got to be an app for that. And there wasn't. So I decided to create it. Uh, and so that's where the idea for the system was born. 
And when it came time to you know, name it, put it on a website, it was, I, I searched like everybody does to find that perfect domain. And at the end of one of these search sessions, I, I thought of Dubert and had a picture of him there. And I thought, why not name it Dubert? And lo and behold, Dubert.com was available because right? nobody else knew what a Dubert was. And that's kind of where it started. And, and since then, it's really grown and it just, it does so much more. And certainly Dubert helps dogs and cats. Um, and it's become, like I said, it's become this legacy and it all started with a cat. Once you had the domain and, and you were basically mm -hmm. solving this problem for your own purposes, which is to help uh, these volunteer pilots fly, you know, from shelter to shelter, there's such a greater, I mean, not everyone has a plane at their disposal who wants to help right. out rescue dogs. So this is much broader than just that. Yeah. And what was interesting is once I got closer to launching it, and I was showing, you know, some of the people that I worked with, they're like, well, that's, that's really great. Can, can drivers use it? And I'm like, driver, why would a driver need software? Help me out here. And I, you know, kind of, as you mentioned, I didn't, I mean, certainly I was meeting these drivers, both at the pickup and drop off when I was doing these flights, but it never really occurred to me that there was a bigger issue. And so I was like, well, sure, we could build a driver profile. Um, and so we did. And, and so now, um, it turned into the software that combined both drivers and pilots, and it's the only it's the only software. It's all custom built just for you know for this purpose is where it started, and so now the rescues and shelters can basically put in where they're trying to move the animal from and to, and the system will break it into lakes, automatically plot it on the map, and automatically notify the appropriate volunteers based upon their distance from, from the route and the days that they're available. So it does a lot of that logic and really makes it so much easier to plan one of these rescue relay transports. And how many shelters across the country are using it currently? So we've now got over 5,000 uh, rescues and shelters across the U.S., Canada, and we actually just deployed it to Australia a couple months ago. So we're working to get them going. And so we've got over 5,000 organizations and over 32,000 volunteers now that are a part of this system. And I would tell you, one of the biggest complaints we get is not enough. there's not enough transports. I had one lady email me and say she was complaining about another volunteer. I don't remember his name. And she said, he gets the, the leg every single time before me. Before I get the notification, I go out there to sign up and he's already taken it. Can you just like block him for a couple of times? And, you know, so it's... It's kind of funny, but it's it's really nice to know that people are that passionate about wanting to get involved, and it's a it's a great way to get involved and in, in helping to move dogs and cats uh, where they need to go. So it's sort of like Uber, but for animals and with no yep. money. Exactly. So I tell people it's a volunteer based Uber is really kind of the idea behind it, and then over the you know we've continued to build on it and. Now there's foster functionality. So if people want to and, and can help foster an animal and there's lots of different ways that you can be a volunteer and get involved. And so we've really tried to focus on, you know, we call them Dubertiers, right? So our, our volunteers, which are, they're amazing people that are trying to do their part to help animals. So our tagline is helping you help animals and people can sign up, like you said, it's free. Um, they, you know, build the profiles based upon how they want to participate. So if they want to be, you know, a transporter in a rescue relay or in a local ride, which is very much like an Uber, 
and they can be a foster home, a photographer, all these other types of, of profiles. And then the system will use that information and, and help the rescues and shelters to you know, put their transactions in, right, for whatever it is that they're looking for. So it's a great way uh, for them to get involved and, you know, move animals, like I said, from high kill shelters to no kill shelters and rescues. At this point, you have helped over 10,000 animals, right? Yeah. Do any particular cases stand out that really would warm the cockles For of sure. your heart? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, there's one story that really um, always makes me smile, right? Um, and it was a, it was an English, uh, an albino English setter puppy. Um, so albino, he was white. And he came from a breeder. The breeder dropped him off at the shelter because, as it sometimes happens when you have albinos, the, the dog was deaf. The puppy was deaf. So to the breeder, this dog was useless. And so this shelter down south um, worked, you know, their network, and they found an organization up in Michigan to take the animal, which is great. So they put the transport into Dubert. It broke it into legs and all of these kinds of things. But they forgot one thing. They didn't give the dog a name, um, at least not in the system, right? So when the transport went out, the volunteers all thought the dog's name was Dubert. Um, so they all just, you know, along the way, they just started calling the dog Dubert. And as it turns out, the dog got to his destination. And so the shelter, you know, kept his name as Dubert. And they eventually did get him adopted out. And as it turned out, the people that he got adopted out to um, were selected. Dubert the dog was actually selected for the Puppy Bowl, which you know happens during the Super Bowl at halftime. That's so even this for is some a... for some people who, yeah. even bigger than this than the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, I know it is for me, and um, it was great. So during the Super Bowl a few years ago, uh, I of course flipped over to Animal Planet during the halftime and. I cheered every time the announcer said, and Dubert takes the ball, right? <laughs> so it was like this little win for me, knowing that Dubert the dog actually represented something bigger. I looked for a spike in traffic, of course, on the website. There wasn't any, but um, it, it was at least something that warmed my heart in knowing that you know we had an impact on getting that dog, and he had an impact, right, being a part of the puppy bowl. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that, that is a, that's a great story. Now, you screen your volunteers, right, to make sure that the people who are involved, you have five thousand, thousands, as you said earlier, how many people? Uh, so we've got over 32,000 volunteers and kind of the way it works is I've built it, you know, I built it kind of two layers in there. So we have a, we call general volunteers. So anybody can sign up, right? There's no, there's really no checking um, because I'm trying to make it easy for people to get involved. And then we have a program in there. They can click a button and if they want, they can become Dubert verified. And in that case, then we do check, right? So now we get a copy of their driver's license and references, and we're, we're validating that you are who you say you are. And the goal is to try and weed out any, you know, bad intended people from the platform. So I'd say about 40% 40, 40 or so of the volunteers uh, opt in or want to become Jubert verified. It's still free, uh, but it gives them a badge and, and allows us to demonstrate to the rescues and shelters that you know these are people that really do want to help animals. Because there probably are some bad apples that you discover in that process. Yeah, unfortunately, there are some bad apples. And um, we screen every organization, 100% of them. We actually rescreen them every year annually uh, just because it's, you know, shelters don't 
generally change hands, but rescue groups, since they're more virtual, can come and go. And again, our goal is to provide a safe, a safe software, right? That's connecting the rescues and shelters with people that want to help. And, and these people are looking for a way to get involved and they don't, they don't always know, right? I mean, you can go to a shelter and, and be a volunteer, but this is another way you can do it. You don't necessarily have to go to the shelter. You can be a volunteer. So we're trying to provide that place, like you said, to weed out the bad apples as much as we can. So we've built a, you know, a feedback system in there so the volunteers can rate one another. Uh, from a transport, they can rate the shelter, the shelter can rate them. So we're trying to do our part to you know, weed out anybody that's got you know, bad ideas. So your business model is an interesting one. You're not a traditional 501c3. You are a not-for-profit. <laughs> yeah, so, so essentially, I mean, you know, if you look at it from a legal standpoint, you're either a, you know, a non-profit or you're a for-profit, right? You know, really the way I like to describe Dubert is a social enterprise, right? Dubert does not make money. I'm not in this to make money. Um, when I started doing, though, when you get into non nonprofit or, or 501c3 charities, it gets a little bit harder because you don't own it, right? Nobody owns it. That's the intent of it. And since I was and am the only thing funding it, it became rather difficult for me to be the one funding it, building it, and not having control to say, here's what I want to do or here's where I want to go with it because you have a board. So what I chose to do instead was to make it you know, legally, right, an LLC, a for-profit, but um, it doesn't, Dubert does not make money. So I'm, believe me, I'm still working a day job, right? To I tell people I work a day job to afford my nights and weekends job. <laughs> so I can um, fly animals but, around the country. Yeah, right. Arrange these transports. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, like anything, I mean, I, I pay developers to, to do the actual coding and I'm paying for servers to run the software and all that stuff. And, you know, I look at animal rescue as like a big melting pot of skills. And my my skill is, you know, technical and software development. So I, I bring that to the table and, you know, I'm investing to try and help to get more people involved, right? So that they can be a part of it. Um, we do welcome people if they want to give a donation, that's great. It goes 100% towards, you know, server costs and developer costs and all those other costs that go along with it. But I, it's not, again, my goal is not to make money on the, on the backs of rescues and shelters and volunteers. My goal is to provide a connection and a, and a tool. Um, one of the things I'm really excited about is when I started this, my goal was to help people save time. And from you know rescues, they often have a person that's called the transport coordinator, right? Their job is to you know, plan the transport from you know, Louisiana to Massachusetts. And in the past, they used to have to go on Facebook and they'd have long email lists and they would, you know, literally be trying to manage hundreds and hundreds of emails. And I talked to some of these transport coordinators. I said, how many transports, you know, do you plan a week? And they would tell me one or two if they're really good, maybe three if they're like just working 24 seven. And once I launched the platform and started working with some of these guys, I asked them, I said, now, how many do you do? And they do anywhere from 15 to 20 transports a week because they are so much more efficient. The software does all the work, so they're doing exactly what I would expect. They're saving more animals. And, and that's the goal is if I can save you time, then you're gonna save more animals. And, and it's all because of the logistics that you guys provide. Talk a little bit more about this concept of a social enterprise. That is not a term that I have, uh, is, that, is that something that you coined? 
No, no, I wish. <laughs> There's actually, um, the idea of a social enterprise is that it is a, a for-profit company that is designating a portion of their you know, proceeds or profits to charitable purposes or community purposes. What are you some know, examples case, that we might know, Big Prince? Yeah, so a good example of a social enterprise is like Tom's Shoes, right? You buy a pair, they're donating a pair to um, places in Africa, right? To children that don't have shoes. And, you know, these are companies that are being, they're recognizing the impact that they want to have on the world. And they're, they're not just, you know, giving the money to their shareholders, they're designating um, a portion of their profits, some, some up to like 10%, uh, that goes back to their cause, goes back to their community. And so that's where that term kind of comes from is people look at it as your nonprofit or your for-profit. Well, you could still be for-profit, but have a, a charitable purpose. And that's kind of where the, the idea of a social enterprise came from. So do the people that you help, the rescues that you help, do they have to be 501c3? So we do check um, all of them. I don't require them to be 501c3, um, certainly recommended. And we, we check, you know, they give us their 501c3 paperwork if they are. If they're not, I'm willing to work with them. Usually the ones that we've accepted that are not is because they just, it's a process, right? You got to pull together the board, file the paperwork. So usually they're trying to get going. And so I don't want to say I put them on probation or anything like that, but we say to them, like, look, if you're legitimately trying to do this, we're happy to help you and let you use the software while you get established. Um, as a as a rescue, right? That's got a legitimate, um, you know, a purpose in terms of saving dogs. So it's not a, a hard and fast requirement, but I would tell you 98, 99% of the organizations that are on there um, are a, a nonprofit uh, charity. So what is the revenue model? Where, where, where does the, the revenue come in for paying these developers and these servers? Is it all out of your paycheck? So... So because I'm a glutton for punishment, um, <laughs> so what I started to do, I mean, it, it has for the last, you know, seven years that's come out of my paycheck. And now where I'm, I'm starting to get some traction is uh, working on other websites and other apps for other people, right? Charging them and then using the proceeds to continue to fund Dubert. So if you came to me and said, hey, Chris, we need a new website, right? Well, you know, we'll charge you the market rate, right? even though it costs us less to build it. And then we'll use the proceeds for that to now pay the Dubert developers, right, to further the system and and pay for servers and things like that. So I've I, I, I've kind of started to take on clients and turn it into a consulting agency a little bit, um, just so that we can bring in enough revenue. Because as it's grown, I mean, as you can imagine, I mean, our server costs on Amazon are over a thousand dollars a month, and that's not paying a developer. That's literally just to keep the platform up and running. But yeah, it's it's one of those things where people, you know, you don't realize that these things do cost money, right? And as they scale and grow, there's a lot more servers and, and stuff breaks and things need to be fixed. And, you know, people want help and they have questions. So I've got to, you know, employ people that can answer their questions and do support tickets and things like that. Chris Roy didn't just stop with Dubert. He has created a few other helpful tools for pet rescue. More on those after a quick break. 
And now, a message from your dog. Every day with you is like a day at the beach. And I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to roll in the grass and warm my belly in the sun. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpuff. The green, grassy, beef liver spike smell wakes my senses. You may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy, especially when you wet it. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it. Everpuff, traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. It helps me feel like I'm on top of the world. I'm so glad you're giving it to me every day, because every day I'm so glad to be with you. I wouldn't have it any other way. I want my Everpup. It just makes me feel good. I am so grateful to be your dog and for the Everpup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup, every day. We are back with Chris Roy. So Chris, you have also created a few other tools in addition to Dubert, and RescueTube comes to mind. Let's talk about that. Yeah, this is, so a little bit of our play on YouTube. Um, so what I, what I often say to people, I mean, we all know pictures are great, but video is way more compelling. You know, the words, the spoken word, though, is, is always king. Um, when you think about you're trying to get a dog or a cat or another type of animal adopted, people want to know what are they like. And it's hard to know just from looking at a picture. But when you think about, okay, so great, just get some video, right? So take a video on your phone. Well, how do you get that video off of your phone now back to the rescue and shelter? How do, how do they get it onto their computer? How do they get it posted where they can now go share it? It's not an easy process. And so this is something that we said, you know what, let's, let's make this easy. Let's just make this stupid simple so that the rescue or shelter, they create a bucket. So in the software, they click add, right? It gives them a bucket number. And all they have to do is communicate that number to anybody, right? Including you, James, you go download the free Dubert app and it says, do you have a rescue to bucket number? You type that number in. Now you can capture video and you literally upload that video. It goes back to them. So instead of them trying to say, all right, James, I need a, a 30 second video of this dog. Cause that's the most you're gonna be able to text me. You can capture you can capture the transport. You can capture the dog. You can capture a fundraising event. You can all of these things. And then the video goes to them instead of, you know, trying to put it in a Dropbox or a Google Drive. And the idea behind this is imagine if we had videos of every animal in the country that's trying to get adopted instead of just a picture. If we actually had videos, could you imagine how you'd recognize the personality and dogs for sure but imagine cats you know even though it's a you know the dog podcast if you can, right? ca- if you can capture them before they run away yeah and cats are one of those you take a picture every cat kind of looks the same but when you capture them on video wait i've with never their seen true a cat picture on the internet yeah right yeah you never see those but it really just captures their personality so we 
develop that to make it to give a tool so that these guys could get videos of everything. And what's really cool is that there's been organizations, you know, people are like, well, can we use it for something else? I'm like, you can use it for whatever you want. So there is a shelter organization that was using it. They set up a, um, you know, an iPhone and they actually videotape their videotape. I say they video their surgeries. And I'm like, why do you do that? Well, because they use it for training. And instead of having to set up a GoPro and then somebody's got to get it onto a computer, all of it's stored in the cloud. So they just create a bucket, right? They set it up and then they video a surgery and then they've got it all, it's all stored. Um, there's other organizations, they said, hey, we've got you know, animal control officers and when they have to investigate a call or a bite call or you know, whatever it might be, it'd be great if they could document evidence. And I'm like, perfect, right? Create a bucket, give them the number now they're capturing video you know as they're there as they're talking to the, to the person to the client as they're viewing the animal um, they've got that video evidence which goes just so much further than just taking a couple of pictures or or trying to write down afterwards what the case was about and all of so this is available through the dubert app that, for both yep. apple ios yep. or, or android yeah you got it so we're trying to provide, I mean, I view us as providing these technology tools to solve some of the hardest problems in animal rescue. What about foster space? What is that? So foster space, yeah. So foster space is our, our newest thing. So it's just barely a year old. When COVID really started to take hold in the US in March of 2020, every, overnight, almost every shelter had to shut down, right? We were all, everything was closing. We were all staying home. So every shelter had to find places for these animals. So they put them in foster homes. Now, you know, if you think about if you're a smaller rescue and you're managing 10 animals in foster homes, you can probably communicate with people via your phone, right? You have 10 phone numbers, you can text them, it's pretty easy. Well, now imagine if you're, you know, a, a shelter like Austin that has a thousand animals right? How are you going to keep track? How are you going to manage these animals? How are you going to communicate with those fosters? Because now you don't just have a thousand animals. You have a thousand people that you need to communicate. And there's, there is no technology in the software or there's no technology out there in software, right? That was supporting this. So um, last March when all this was happening, I said, you know what, we have to we have to solve this. And so we got out the whiteboard and really ideated on how can we build a foster management platform that allows an organization to manage a thousand fosters, a thousand foster homes. And so what we did is we built foster space and we launched it uh, last June. And it, it was just revolutionary in the animal welfare industry because every organization gets assigned a phone number so they can send and receive text messages right through the Dubert platform. So uh, they don't, you know, they don't have to do anything or pass around a cell phone, right? For so it's an SMS to... that they. Okay. Yeah. Is, I, and, I so appreciate. I mean, the, I, to, to those listeners who are sort of a little geeky like I am, this is really fascinating applications for this technology that we see everywhere. So go on. Okay. So they get yeah, they get the yeah, phone, because, they get the phone number. Yep. So they get a phone number. And we've built different functions in there. So now, number one, they can text, you know, the, the foster, right? So if you, James, have a foster dog, they can, you know, text you and just, hey, how's it going with, you know, Gracie, the dog? And you can reply. Like, there are, 
um, technologies that people use in animal welfare that are one-way texting, right? Like you would verify a phone number, but nobody had anything that allows the person to reply, which is kind of crazy. And then more importantly is we built in functions so that they could tag, um, they could text all dog fosters, for example. So any any foster in their, you know, in their um, organization within Tubert that has a dog, they can automatically just say, I, I need to send a text to all dog fosters. And the system will, of course, do the work and send them a text, and then it'll allow replies. We So now we encourage volunteers to verify their mobile number with Dubert because now we know that you know James has got a mobile number and you can two-way text him. And what we've done is we've added other functionalities such as recurring text. So one of the challenges if you're running a large organization is you need to remind people of things, right? If it's um, you know, if it's a dog, then they might need heartworm. If they're neonatal kittens, they might need a weight or something like that. Well, they don't have to remember every week, oh, I gotta remember to text the volunteers. They can literally set it up once and the system will just automatically, every Monday at 10 a.m., it'll text all dog volunteers and say, hey, don't forget, you know, heartworm prevention month, or don't forget we have an upcoming event, or don't forget this or that. Um, and the best part is, is the volunteers now also have a portal where they can log into Dubert and they can communicate um, and send pictures and photos and updates and, and things like that on the animals. So we're really creating engagement with the volunteers in addition to giving the rescues and shelters a, a much needed tool where they can communicate with these volunteers. Speaking of things on the portal, one of the one of the uh, pages that is both heartbreaking to look at and um, amazing, I imagine, from a coding perspective, is you have this app, uh, the supply and demand map of the United yeah. States, uh, where you can basically see the supply and demand, and I guess it's color coded, and I see way too much yellow so i'm assuming it's green yellow red talk a little bit about that yeah so as i continue to learn and work with these organizations before you can do a transport you need to have two organizations that are working together and you know if, if i speak just very general if you were to draw a line across the middle of the us there's more of an overpopulation of animals uh, in the southern states and there's more of a demand in the northern states. So more, you know, more transports are going south to north. Well, if you're a shelter, say in Mississippi, and you're trying to figure out, you know, who can who has capacity to take dogs, right? How how can I get these animals out alive? Um, there was nowhere for people to go, so they would end up just emailing around saying, "Hey, does anybody have, you know, any room so we can send some dogs?" And I kept saying, there's got there's just gotta be a better way to do this. Why can't the receiving organizations just indicate, hey, we have room for this, you know, this many dogs. These are the types of dogs that we're looking for. And then allow the sending organizations to say, hey, by the way, this is how many dogs we have that we're trying to, you know, get out and find homes for. And then give them this interactive tool where the senders can find the receivers and the receivers can find the senders. So it's the first step before you can even do a transport is you have to have the sending and receiving organizations that are working together and knowing you know, which animal they're going to send. So the whole idea of the supply and demand map is that it's, it's real time um, updated, right? So if anybody updates their, their numbers or, or lists more animal profiles, it's, it's immediate. Today, 
in animal welfare, what they generally do is they create a big Excel with pictures and they send it out once a day. Well, by the time you get to their email and you email back and say, okay, we'll take this dog, they're usually taken, right? Somebody else has got them. And so I wanted to make this much more, I mean, we're in 2021, right? It's gotta be real time. It doesn't need to be this archaic, you know, email that you wait eight hours to get a reply from. And it is, if you wheel back and forth on your mouse or whatever, you can zoom in and zoom out and look, it's kind of like you get to play the map game and yep. you can go incredibly granular and you, you know, so I'm, for example, right now hovering over the New York area, which is yellow and you go in a little bit more and then you can get all the way down to, you know, within the Bronx and then, and then all the opportunities within a particular area. And it's extraordinary. And as I said, sort of a little bit sad uh, that there is uh, so much supply and demand. But this has this ever been done before? Nope. This is the first time it's been done. So that I love pushing the envelope. I love bringing the tools that can really change the game. Um, my, vi my vision is that someday we'll be able to use this data and, and the system will be able to help proactively do matching and recommendations and say, hey, it looks like there's an oversupply here and send them a note. Hey, why don't you send them here, right? And try and use the, the same kind of concept and technology that we use in supply chain everywhere, but we don't use that in animal welfare. There, uh, literally, there's about 4,800 brick and mortar shelters across the country and each one is pretty much independently owned and operated and they don't have the tools and the, and the ability to work together seamlessly. Uh, so I'm trying to break down those barriers and make it just so much easier on them. And then you have a disaster mode, uh, which is also even sadder, but also more hopeful. What's that? So the idea behind that, I mean, every year there's hurricanes, there's wildfires. And, you know, when you hear about these things on the news, you don't often think about the animal shelters that are in those disaster areas. And if you were an animal shelter and you had 120 dogs and there's a wildfire coming, you got to get them out, right? And you don't have time to be fielding calls from people saying, you know, hey, I'm interested in this or that. And what I wanted to do is provide an easy way for them to communicate, hey, we're in, we're in crisis mode, number one, to their, you know, surrounding public area. So if you, you know, go and you check that out, you'll see that they're, they're in disaster mode. But number two, there's whenever there's a, a disaster or a problem like that, there's other organizations across the country, both national and, and smaller ones, that want to help. But if everybody's calling that shelter, right, it's it's impossible for them to keep up. So what we wanted was to say, make it easy. They hit one button, turn on disaster mode. It pulls up um, their set of disaster protocols, if you will. So it says like call this person for this, or here's, you know, here's what we need. So we're proactively letting the other organizations in animal welfare, as well as the general public know, hey, our shelter's in crisis, here's what's going on, here's what we need, here's where to go, you know, here's how to communicate with us, instead of everybody just sending an email saying, hey, we can help, what do you need? Um, we wanted to try and make it so easy that if something happens, they can literally turn this on and um, everybody will know that you know, the type of help that they need. And these are just some of the the apps and features that I've looked at on Dubert now. Um, 
what's on the horizon? What's on the roadmap? Because it seems to me like you're not just going to sit and be like, we're done. Yeah, no. Yeah, I'm definitely not done. I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure out what, what else we can do, how else we can help. So um, we just, we have a rescue store, which is the best way I can describe it is it's kind of like Etsy for animal rescues and animal shelters. So they can list, you know, their products, you know, whether it be, you know, um, sweatshirts, t-shirts, things like that, right, that, that help bring them money. Um, and Duber's just the system to help process it, right? So the money goes into their PayPal. You know, it's, we're just trying to help them list these products so that you can, um, you can find them. We're building a case management module, and this is going to be really, really cool. So there's so many different types of animal welfare organizations. So certainly there's shelters and rescues. There's um, community cat type organizations, often called TNR, which is Trap, Neuter, Release. And these organizations are working to proactively spay and neuter uh, cats in the community, right? To prevent the overpopulation. It's the only way we can stop this is, you know, stop the, the cats and dogs from breeding. And so they don't really have a tool to map out like, hey, they got complaints about a cat. You know, where, where is this cat colony? There are organizations like Fences for Fido, right, that will come out and um, build a fence around your yard so that you can unchain the dog from the doghouse. You know, there's such a sad thing that dogs are often, you know, chained to a six-foot lead and chained to their doghouse 24-7, 365. So there are organizations that will literally buy the wood or buy the metal. They will build a fence so that the dog can be unleashed. Well, if you're trying to keep up with all the requests, how do you do that? So our companion case management module is going to make this easy. Um, they'll, it'll be just like you'd imagine, right? You're opening a case, but it'll have you, you know, James as the client's information and phone number. And again, you can text, you can email, and it's all attached to the case so that as they wait for a reply from James, they can move on to the next case and they can come back and somebody else can look and say, oh, I see, he texted back, said this, okay, they know what's next. And what's really cool is that we're building in some automated workflows. So now they're gonna be able to build a workflow that says follow up with James once, twice, three times, right? And it saves them from having to go do that. So um, there's just gonna be some really cool stuff that we're gonna build. We're launch it before Halloween is kind of our target right now. And it's gonna help even more animal related organizations to do their great work. So you're doing all this great stuff and you use the we, and I'm assuming it's not the royal we. How big is your team? <laughs> so I've got a team um, primarily in India and the Philippines of about 20 people now. Um, so we're, yeah, there's a lot that we do. And so it's, that's what makes this hard, right? Is trying to balance out all of the, all of the things that we're doing and trying to, you know, service the clients that we've taken on to build their websites and their tools, which ultimately goes to fund the, you know, the work that we're doing, our charitable work. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a beast some days, but I'm really proud of our team. I'm really proud of what we're doing. And it's really nice to know that some of the clients that hire us, right, they hire us because they love what we're doing and that we're, we're paying it forward, we're building it back, um, we're building the tools that people need in order to help animals. And my goal is that we continue to do that and we continue to, you know, roll this out, make it available globally 
is there's animal organizations around the world that need tools and technology and, and systems to do their work. So it's, you're right, James, I am not done, right? This is, you know, this is year seven. And I always, I always say, it's like, I'll, I'll let you know when we're done, right? I, it'll probably be a while because I think we constantly find new things that we can do that will help them do their job more efficiently and help more people to get involved in, in saving animals. Speaking of being busy and doing lots of things, your day job, Duber, managing this team overseas, doing client work, and somehow you also fit in time for a podcast? Um, I've, I've done podcasts now for three years. And, you know, I wanted a new concept. And this time, so last year, about October, I said, all right, we're going to do something different. And I created the Animal Innovation Show. And the idea is to bring innovative ideas and products and services and people to give them the platform, give them the awareness so that people that want to help animals, whether it be, a, again, a new product, a new service. I had one of my favorites was uh, a lady that had developed a camera for cat, right, to put on the collar. Um, and it's a really cool idea when you think about it for an outdoor cat and to see where they went. And the reason she started it was her cat actually helped to find, it's almost like a rescue cat, she helps to find other lost cats. and. She wanted to know where the cat was and she could pull it up on a camera. So there's really innovative things that people are doing out there that are helping animals. So with this, with the Animal Innovation Show, it's, it's I like to say it's more than a podcast because we actually um, stream it live to YouTube and Facebook. And then we have edited versions that we post to YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. We do extract the audio into a podcast and we do a blog write-up. So we have a lot of great stuff to try and really get a broad audience of people. And it's all about people that are doing amazing things, helping animals. I love it. So with all of that, do you have any time to spend with your wife, Daphne and, and your animals? <laughs> yeah, that is, that is the hard thing sometimes, right? Is to be able to turn this off and to, you know, recognize that I'm doing, doing what I can, doing my part. Um, I would say I have a, an amazing team. I have a, you know, I, amazing team that helps to really make make that easier on me it's it's fun it's it's not a job for me it's i enjoy the networking i enjoy helping people so my wife and i are both very passionate about animal rescue and so there are times where you know I, i'm doing things on tubert that she's you know a little frustrated that i'm not doing things with her but i think she's very supportive that this is this is my passion this is my goal and the more people that we can help, then the more animals we can help. Where do you see Dubert in five years? Wait, that's a hard question. I really would love to see Dubert going global. And, you know, we've started to do that. It works in the US, Canada, and Australia. Um, and there's other countries around the world that I'm starting to network with. Brazil, for example, has got a real big um, animal challenge that there's lots of passionate people. And there's, there's so many passionate people. I mean, they estimate in India that there's 30 million stray dogs, right? And that's, that's an estimate. And so I envision Dubert will continue to grow and evolve and add new tools because animal rescue in, in India or Brazil is very different than it is in the US. I envision us expanding into other areas such as supporting wildlife rescue, uh, which is something that there really aren't any tools out there doing. So I, I tell people all I need is an idea and I love getting feedback and ideas and challenges from people that say, 
hey, like if we could if we could do this, like like how would we do this? And that's what gets my brain going to say if it, if it's going to help animals and it's going to help people, I'm on it. So when I look back five years from now, I see Dubert being a very thriving company that's that's saving tens of thousands of animals every year. And I see it being a, a household name, hopefully, in Animal Rescue. And it's all because of one cat. One very lucky cat. Chris Roy, thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, James. I appreciated talking to you as well. Whether he's personally flying cats and dogs to shelters or adding to the digital toolbox of pet rescues, Chris Roy plays a key role in giving our beloved animals a chance for a brighter future. If you like what you've heard today and are looking for more dog content, well, please check out the rest of The Long Leash for even more dog-themed stories. We also feature several other shows here on Dog Podcast Network, like Dog Edition and Dog Cancer Answers, and more are on the way. We here at DPN would love to know what you think, so please feel free to leave us some feedback. We're available on our website at longleashshow.com. That's www.longleashshow.com, as well as on all the social media channels. Click the little blue microphone icon when you're on our site. It's on the bottom right of every page, and you can leave us a voicemail. Also, go ahead and please tell your friends about the Long Leash and about Dog Podcast Network. We want to grow alongside you and deliver the best content that we can. Thank you for listening today. I'm James Jacobson. On behalf of all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, we wish you and your dog a very warm aloha.